Good to be here. Um, well, I'm always here on a Sunday morning, but it, it's good to be teaching. Um, am I the only one who wears glasses who's inside shouting, hooray, through <laughs> face masks? There's a story in the book of Acts where Paul's preaching uh, to a Roman consul, and what happens is that uh, a, a sorcerer tries to interrupt him and Paul prays and the guy goes blind and he, it says he stoats about. Now, when I go into the co-op with, with my face mask on and glasses, I have the LMS experience and when I come in here, am I the only one? People with glasses? Yes, isn't it? That'll be. But here's the problem I've got. I, I'll probably keep wearing the face mask for safety, but never mind, that's nothing. Anyway... If you put up the stuff, Maureen, that would be good. I, I want to do just some teaching today because really as, as a nation, as a world, we're, we're at a funny stage. Um, my friend and I, who I always prayed for years and years with, um, he always used to say to me, our generation was really one of the most privileged because... His father and his grandfather, like my father and my grandfather, they had to go to war. And here we were, you know, in our 60s, never having to do national service, never having to go to war. Really, the, the big problems that you had in life was a wee bit of the, the problems happened in Manchester Airport. There was nearly a riot because... All the baggage handlers, I don't know if they went on strike, but there was chaos in Manchester Airport and people were up to, their, up to 90 and their emotions. And yet, you know, we've had this generation where that's a big problem, but suddenly you've had Ukraine, suddenly we've had COVID, and suddenly um, everything seems to be going to the wall, isn't it? and gas bills and you turn on the telly and in fact it was funny my son said to me we were busy watching tv on, on about the ukraine and he turned around to me and he asked me the question very seriously he said dad what what's ever happened to covid because that's so all we got day in day out didn't it everything creating a fear so what i want to do is in our teaching today I want to do something, oops, get back one. If I can get here, I should have a quote here somewhere from C.S. Lewis, and I've lost it. But anyway, C.S. Lewis said, go back, Maureen. Maureen's waving to me. I'm not waving, I'm drowning, said Sylvia Plath. Fun? Is it there? If not, it doesn't matter. I can remember. C.S. Lewis said, basically, it's sometimes better to be reminded than to be instructed. That's quite profound. Now, C.S. Lewis was the guy who wrote the Narnia novels, one book called Basic Christianity, The Pilgrim's Regress, The Great Divorce, a great novelist teacher in the, uh, the English University. And as he became a Christian, and one of the things he said that sometimes it's better to be reminded than simply instructed. And so I want to do two things before we begin our teaching. I want to tell you a story 
probably not true. And I want to have a wee bit culture and read something from Shelley, right? It will be East End of Glasgow, we've got to read, read a poem. A man once stood at a bridge, looked at the water down there and was ready to jump off. In the darkness, the water swirling and everything. And just as he climbed on to jump off, another man walked up and said to him, What are you doing? What are you doing? And he said, No, I've had enough. I'm finished. I'm just, life's not worth it. And the guy said, look, I'll tell you what I'll do. Give me 10 minutes to tell you why life is worth it. And then I'll give you 10 minutes to tell me why it's not. And the guy said, okay. 20 minutes later, they held hands and they both jumped off the bridge. <laughs> famous poem. I met a traveller from an antique land who said, two vast of trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered vestige lies, whose frown and wrinkled lips and sneer of cold command tell that the sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, and on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Rounded the key of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level stands stretch far away. And it was a poem about futility. Here was a king who in many ways strutted the stage of life and in the end it's all gone and just like the man who jumped off the bridge, the king, there's this element of what we call futility. That life is very futile. Life is frustrating. That's why we have so often people who you would never expect really either breaking down, committing suicide, various things, which is tragic, simply because of this frustration, futility that seems to be about. And we're now moving into a new realm where I think futility, frustration is going to grow and grow. Countless people have climbed a ladder of success only to find it's against the wrong wall. And you get the top and what's there? It's nothing. And everything you thought you would do was somehow going to satisfy these deep things within us all. Suddenly, what's it all about? Am I the only one who feels that at times? No. No, it is. Whether... You're a corporate executive making decisions that affect thousands and thousands of people or whether you're standing at a kitchen sink watching the dishes, you still face the same feelings that we all face. So remember what I said about C.S. Lewis, what he said, it's better to be reminded 
and to be extracted. So what I want to do this morning is to remind you some things that are very important. There are people need to be reminded and to be instructed. That's what Barry was making all thanks for the signals to me. Right? So here we are in a book of the Bible called Romans. The Apostle Paul goes through just what God has been doing. And in Romans 8, 19 to 21, he says these words. And, and really as a Christian, you, you really have to grasp them. They have to become part of you so that you don't get swallowed up in what's happening with everybody else. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now, he's already a few verses earlier said that one of the ways in which God makes us right with himself, that he puts into us a spirit and called the spirit of adoption. And that we become to God what Jesus is, the spirit of adoption. We become joint ears. Notice this, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not of its own choice, but by the will, who subje- will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Right? Incredible words. Now, one of the things is to understand that there's a process going on in life. You've got to understand it. Life's not meaningless. It's not purposeless. One of the things as Christians, and you're reading the scripture, is that God is working out purposes. I remember when I first got converted, one of the choruses we always sung was, kingdoms may rise, kingdoms may fall, nations refuse to hear God's call, but the word of the Lord is forevermore. I think it's something kingdoms may rise. How many folk know it? Yes, kingdoms may rise, kingdoms may fall. There you are, that's one of the memory lane stuff, isn't it? But the thing about it is that the Ozymandias come and they go. At the moment, Putin is a bad guy, but history's been full of bad guys who have caused untold terror and untold problems to planet. That will continue until the coming of Jesus because you see there's a process going on in life and that process, notice this, frustration and futility is embedded in life. That means it's part of existence. You can't get away from it. And notice what it says, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by who? But by the one who subjected it in hope. That so much of your life, right, has the potential to be totally nothing else but frustration. Because God subjected creation to frustration for a simple reason, that it might get back to him. And you notice this thing here, they said, the solution is linked to the Holy Spirit's work in people. That creation is waiting for something that Paul talks about and calls the children of God. Now, Philippi had a mirror. If you all had a mirror... 
I get you all to take her out and have a wee good look. And there's the children of God. <laughs> Think about that. There is the children of God. Now, think about this. There's a process going on. There's frustration. But the solution is going to be this revealing of people who belong to God. Better to be reminded than to be instructed. The powerful force in it all is hope. What stops a Christian from really cracking up? I think in the end, I remember once I did a whole teaching series on the whole idea of what's the difference between the Holy Spirit breaking a person and a person having a nervous breakdown. Because sometimes the two processes can be the same. You're going through the same thought, same feeling. The difference is one has hope and the other lives in hopelessness. And that's very important because God subjected the creation to frustration in the hope and hope and hope a powerful force that one day creation is going to be restored now you've got to understand what's happening in our nation you see all the kind of movements whether they're political whether it was Marxism or that way back creation of the Soviet Union the whole idea was to create utopia on earth all our laws and that how we're getting you know everything's now becoming rule-based in British society you can't do this you can't say that you know it's getting ridiculous at times you feel that's because people are trying to create the creation but God is not going to allow that because it's created, subjected to frustration that in hope it might be redeemed. So the whole working, that's why Ukraine has been an incredible blow for Western liberal societies because we thought that you know, we were going to create under this whole idea that everybody's got to be hunky-dory pals and we all accept everybody and it's all got to be nice and we're all got to live happily ever after in the fairy tale. But no, Ukraine has just upset that. We don't know what's going to happen there. I looked at, I'm sure like many of you, I look at the devastation, I think, how are they ever going to rebuild this? How are you ever going? What are you going to do with four million, five million, six million displaced people? Right? What's going to happen is, it can, is we just don't know how things are going to unfold. But as a Christian, this is important. You've got to understand that this futility, this frustration, is all part of God working out a plan and working out a, a purpose. You with me now? Yeah. God's not, this is not catching God by surprise. <laughs> it's maybe caught all the leaders, but not God. Anyway, let's go to here. You'll notice, here's another thing we want to be reminded of in this whole context. John 3, 3, 8. A man called Nicodemus, a religious person, comes to Jesus, wants to, uh, he, want, 
he's got the frustration and futility in him, even though he's a Pharisee, even though he keeps the rules, even though he keeps the regulations, even though he, he, inside he, he really loves God, but he knows there's something really missing in his life. He comes to Jesus and, and he really wants to know just what's the answer to all this? What's the answer to this frustration? Jesus said this, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So what, what is Jesus really talking about? Well, there's a couple of things. Jesus said basically, and I'll use language of of today, we need a new operating system. The operating system that you're living out of is faulty. Your understanding, the way you see life, it's faulty. So you need a new operating system. That's all what it means about being born again. You know, we've created religious language. It's, it makes it all this and next thing. But you can have a new operating system. For some people like myself, it was dramatic because I came out of a non-Christian environment. And after just being at church for about two or three weeks, I became a Christian. I was born again. But the contrast between that and how I lived was quite something. The Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus gets a blinding light, falls off his horse. Dramatic. But I know many people who grew up in the faith and always remember loving God. But there came a point just when, yeah, I need the operating system. And it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't, you know, standing up and saying this, that, and the next thing. But they've got a new operating system. But not only that... We need continual upgrades. Now, the religious language is, is found really in, in the book of Second, was it Corinthians 3.19, 3.18, which said we're changed from one degree of glory into another. That God continually wants to give you new upgrades in your life. That's why the word repentance is not really about tears and or oh, regret and remorse. Repentance means simply to turn around. And so the whole of your life is going to be repentance. You're going to be turning around. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will begin to show you something that you didn't know. And suddenly, without knowing it, you just had an upgrade. And you turn around. You repent. That's all it means. I, 
I, I'm glad I'm teaching on this because I can say this, but this morning I was reading something, reading a book by a Mexican lady, Anna Ferez, and I read this part and I saw something I hadn't seen before. Now what made it very special for me, because in 1982 I believe I really received something from God which for me was all about the East End of Glasgow. And part of that word kept me in Glasgow, kept me up in Easter House for 38 years as a pastor. It kept me there, the word, because I believed, I, I, I believe God's only really spoken to me dramatically in about three or four times in my life, <laughs> right? And, but that was really dramatic. And, and what she said, Suddenly I saw something about this word I got I'd never seen before. I'd just never seen it. I'd read it, I don't know how many times. I read the passage of scripture and, and the part she was referring to that I suddenly linked to this. I'd read it, I don't know how many times as a Christian. But something happened. I saw something. I got a wee upgrade. And that's what God wants to do. You see, we've got to get away from the religious stuff, in a sense, and start walking with God, who is our Father. Start walking with Jesus, who's our Savior. Start really walking with the Holy Spirit, who's going to lead us into all truth. We've got to start all this. But it's very easy to get caught up in this whole religious thing. And, and you know... I want to just put this in. Genethi anothen is a Greek word. And it means born from above or born again. Now, of the two, I've always used born again. But there's part of me leans more to being born from above. In other words, that Jesus wants to give us all a new operating system and continual upgrades. That's good news, isn't it? <laughs> it's good news. And if ever we need, I think, new upgrades, we're, we're moving into a period now in our nation where the nation is going to be perplexed, where more and more people are going to be asking a very simple question. What's it all about? And more and more people figuratively will be standing at the edge of the bridge and ready to jump off. And they really need someone to come along and not agree with them, but tell them a different story, a different understanding. Are you with me on that? Yeah? It's very important, this. Because, you know, if I had said to you, I think the last time I stood up here with a few, I've, I've been up here when nobody's been here doing it online. Never, but if I would said to you the last time I stood up here, well, we're going to have COVID and we're all going to be in lockdown. We're going to go for years doing this. And by the way, there's got to be a war that could push us on to the Third World Wars. Russia is going to invade Ukraine. 
Uh, you'd have all looked at me and thought I was daft. But that's what's happened. And, and we've got to understand this now. Linked with that, you have to understand, why do you need a new operating system? Why do you need upgrades all the time? Well, it's very simple. Jesus said, very truly, I tell very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they have Ganethi Anathan. You can't see it. You look at life and you'll have an understanding of life, but you'll not be able to understand and interpret it properly. And he went on to say as well, if I get that one there, very true, I tell you, no one can enter. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they have a new operating system. And unless they're having continual upgrades in the operating system. Now, why is that important? Well, when Jesus was challenged by people, how do you do the things you do? He said, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does. That's the that's source of Jesus' miracles. You've got to understand this, that, you know, Jesus went to a place, the pool of Bethesda. Lots of people lying down. He didn't have a healing service. What he did was he probably stepped over people to get to a man who'd been bedridden for 38 years and told them to take up his bed and walk. Why? Because he saw what the Father was doing. You with me on that? Yes? I'll keep asking that just because I can't see. When you've all got masks, you all look like bandits to me up here. You know, I've <laughs> all got guns ready to shoot me. I don't know, right? But what it is, right? So here, here's the thing. Jesus needed to see and he needed to enter. And that's the whole purpose of being born again. You know, we've created such a religious thing. Lots of people will say, oh, I'm not one of these born again people and that. No, one of the, a born again person is just simply somebody who now begins to see what God is doing and enter into it and participate with them. Here's a, can, can most of you read that? Do you want to read this with me? Um, Ephesians 2.16, if you can read it. Because I, I always like folk reading with me. I, don't, I get fed up just up here myself. I feel I'm like Hamlet, you know. Alas, poor Yorick, I knew him well. I'm up on the stage and talking to myself, right? But you read it with me. Because tremendous words. Ready? As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved, 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. A lovely passage and four things just I want to us very quickly to take from it. Notice it says, people's spirits are dead to God. Why do you need a new upgrade? Right, you may sit here and you say, well, you know, I'm a good person. I've, I do this and I do that. And, and, that's not an issue, right? Why did I need a new upgrade in my life? Because ultimately, I was dead to God, my spirit. I couldn't see. I couldn't enter into the kingdom. You know, God could be next to me, the Holy Spirit, and I wouldn't know it. Why? Because I couldn't see and I couldn't enter. I didn't have that, that capability. Perhaps the best way to describe it. Do you know in this room just now, um, there's Netflix going on all through the ears. Do you know that? And Sky TV is all, it's all in the air here. Do you know that? Radio Scotland's in the air. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Why not? Because you don't have the receiver. You don't have the right app. But see, if you've got a Netflix app, you don't have to listen to me. You could just watch a film just now here because you'd pick it up. If you wanted to listen to Radio Scotland, you could listen to Radio Scotland, pick it up if you had BBC Sounds. You see what I'm talking about here? It's everywhere. But if you can't see, you can't enter. And that's a big problem. And if people's spirits are dead to God... But notice this, they're alive to the spirit world. See, I come out of a, a family that were involved in spiritualism. And my, I, I, I can always remember, my granny was very gifted in things of the spirit. Not the Holy Spirit, but spirit. And often she would come out with things. Now, I have my own belief that there are generations where the gift gets corrupted and, and somewhere along the line that gift should have been used for God in the prophetic realm, but rather it got corrupted. But if you think about our areas in your life or areas in your family life that reflect something, and in my family life it reflected an ability to see things in spirit. That's why I, I think when I became a Christian, it was very easy for me to accept the whole spirit realm because I'd been brought up, you know, knowing about it and everything. But instead, instead of being dead to God, something happened to me and I was made alive with Christ. Made alive. Suddenly, even though my family had the ability to think about spirit things and my granny could see things and tell things. She was dead to God. But you see what happened here. We're made alive in Christ. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. But notice the interesting thing. You're made alive when you're dead. Right? You don't clean your act up to get made alive. It's when you're dead. And... and and there's another way of saying, instead of the operating system, instead of saying born again, God wants me 
God wants you to become alive in Christ and with Christ. And the second thing there, which is very important, and the fourth thing, we're raised to a place of authority. You're seated in heaven place, in heavenly places. Can you be at two places at the one time? Physically, we say no. Biblically, yes. You can be sitting here in Sandy Hills, but you're also seated with Jesus in heavenly places, a place of authority. And that's incredibly important for us. That's why when Norman's saying, you know, trust Jesus, give your life to Jesus, that's all it really means. Allow God to make you alive in Christ. Why? And I haven't got time to go into everything, but, but you know, the Bible tells us, Ephesians 2, it talks about how God has good works for us all to do. God has plans and purposes for everybody in this room, whether you're, whether the, the wee baby there or whether you're 85, it doesn't matter, even older. God has plans and purposes because it doesn't end with age or anything. And God has plans and purposes. And how do you enter into them? Well, you allow God to make you alive in Christ. Allow Jesus to give you an operating system that has the upgrades and everything. This is a, this is a picture that has haunted me for years. And the last couple of months, it's come back again. If you see it in the real screen, Rangers are playing Celtic today. So I had the guy in blue, so I made a green bus so nobody could complain. You know, I was biased in the whole thing, right? But here's a wee guy, and that was me. And there's a wee guy in a bus, and that's me. And I've often referred to that and seen that. That's been like my Christian life. But that's problematic. Because in that little picture that kind of dominates me at times, I'm running to catch a bus that I'm already on. Is that not daft? Yeah. Well, what have I said? That's where most Christians are when it comes to God, when it comes to walking with God. They're chasing a bus and racing to get on a bus that they're already on. What did it say? We were made alive in Christ. And where were we? Seated in heavenly places. And you see, you can go through your Christian life like that. And I've gone through many a year like that, racing to catch something that I'm already on. And what happens, you see, when you're in that mode, everything's about striving. Oh, if I just did this. Oh, if I just did that. And, well, let me, let me give you an example. I don't know how many Christians in the 38 years I was a pastor I don't know how many Christians in prayer and counseling said to me, I don't know if God loves me. 
There'll be some folk here that deep, deep down inside, there'll be this thing. I don't know if God really loves me. And what happens is, life now becomes a striving. Christianity becomes something that's a heavy burden, which it was never, ever meant to be. And it's very easy to become in that. I, like the Pharisee, I'll keep the rules. And you lose one rule, you break it, and you don't keep it, and you feel rotten, and you hate yourself, and oh, how can God love me? And then you have another rule, and oh, I kept that rule, I feel nice. Surely God loves me. No. I'm running to catch something that I've already got. But not only that, it can lead, and, and this, can, this may seem daft, but it, it's how a lot of Christians live. That you feel if you can just get to the sense where you can feel maybe bad enough, you can maybe repent deep enough, then God will really bless you. Don't tell me I'm the only one who thinks like this. Please, yes. No, it's true, isn't it? And yet, that's not how it's meant to be. And the third thing is, you end up living in what we call sin consciousness. It's always about your failure. It's always about your sin. It's all about how you don't make the mark. And you can live in that environment and forget something that we just read a few minutes ago. When we were dead in our trespasses and sin, God made us alive in Christ. <laughs> and as a Christian, you know, because I came out of a, a whole group, a fantastic group, I, I really Christians, but we were all in, in a kind of strand of Christian thought, you know, we just had to get to that place of deep repentance. And if I got to that place of deep repentance and I really felt so awful about myself and my sin, well, God has got to bless me. But God had already blessed. I was out of sync with God. But you see, in the bus, something else happens. If Christ has put a new operating system in you, and you're getting continual upgrades, and you've been made alive together with Christ, and you are now seated within heaven, you're holy. You're holy. You're holy. The striving is to make yourself holy, and all you do is become a holier-than-thou person, and you become a pain and useless to the kingdom. But in the bus, out of the operating system, I'm already holy. I'm already holy. I don't have to strive anymore because striving will get me nowhere. I can do nothing more to make God love me. Can you accept that? We all say yes, but see deep down inside. It can be a different thing. See this journey I use what might show him. See the journey from the wee man to the bus. That can be the hardest journey of your life. Because 
there you're still in control. You can still do things to, to make it right. But if you accept you're on the bus, there's nothing you can do. All you can do now is allow the Holy Spirit now, Jesus, to live through you. And what happens is you, you begin living in righteousness consciousness. You see, I have sinned. I know folk are have hard to believe, but if you go and see Kathy, she'll probably give you a nice catalogue. She'll give you the catalogues of sins that she gives me, right? Well, all of us, everybody here has areas in our life we're desperate for change, right? If you're running to catch a bus, you can spend your whole life trying to change because you're operating out of the wrong operating system to solve the sin problem in your life. Whereas if you start on the bus, you want to deal with sin because it stops you fulfilling everything that God has for you. You do it because of love. In the old way of running, you're doing it because of almost like a hatred of yourself. But when you start repenting out of love, because you want to go with God. It's a different ball game. There's no rules. There's no rules. In this first one, it's all about rules and regulations. You do this, you do that, you do that, and you'll be holy. No. You're already seated with Christ. I once said to someone, I got quite shocked, and they told me how they didn't believe God loved them and all that. And I said to them, well, I'm really sorry, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing God can do now. Because he's done everything to show you that he loves you. There's nothing left after the cross to show you that God loves you. There's nothing left. God can't magically do this, that, and the next thing. There's nothing left for God to do. If you can't accept that he loves you, he loves you the way you are, and he loves you so much the way you are that he's willing to help you change and become somebody different and be the person that he's got for you. That is called essentially old creation. That is really the new creation. And in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul says, for the love of God's Christ love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. In this part here, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. You are, the church is, a new creation. The old creation 
that we're living in, right, that we have our, our movement in, like get up tomorrow morning, you've got your work, you've got the old creation stuff, everything and the ideas and the thoughts and patterns, it's all at work. But God has made us new creation. And Jesus talked a lot about salt and light going in to a society. And that's what basically we are. But it's not about striving. It's not about being, oh, I've got to be more holier this week than I was last week. You can't be because you're already holy. You can't be any, I know it seems dark, but you can't be any holier. The difference is, do you allow the working of that to happen in your life? And you say, oh, well, you know, that's great. And it was okay for all these first Christians. But if you read the scriptures, you find that the first Christians had the same problem that you and I have. And that is they spent, they started on a bus and then spent most of their lives chasing after the bus. You foolish Galatians. Church in Galatia, God was doing great things, miracles, everything. And eventually a group of Christians came from another place and said, oh, you should do this, you should do that, you should do the next thing. And what happened was they, they started doing it. And Paul writes this, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? In other words, keeping rules and regulations or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? That's running after the bus. Going back to your wee picture. And that's a big challenge for your life. It's a challenge for, for my life. As a Christian, you've got to begin. Remember we said, C.S. Lewis will put it up, it should be falling there. You need to be reminded more than instructed. Jesus has given you a new operating system. Right? Regardless what language you want to use. And you have the ability now to see something and to enter into something called the kingdom of God. You've been made alive with Christ and you're seated in heavenly places and have a powerful authority. You don't have to be the headless chicken in life any longer. You have a powerful authority. All that belongs to you. And that is what you need to be reminded of. That is what the Bible calls good news. You can't do anything else to make God love you, love you more. All you can choose now is to see, enter in, and remove just all the garbage and rubble that can stop you from being what God wants you to be. And that's the good news of the Christian gospel. Yes? yes? Amen. Let's pray together.
Father, in the quietness, we want to give you thanks. Father, you've planned things so that everyone here can enter into your kingdom. And Lord, we, we do come to you now and we would just ask, Father, for a freshness to come upon us. Lord, about the operating system, if we need to begin, Lord, today, then I pray for those who say, yes, Lord, today, I want what you want to give me. I want to be born from above. I want to be made alive with Christ. And I want to be seated in heavenly places. I pray you'll just bless people now. And for those of us who've been on the road a long time, Lord, I, I just pray for a fresh upgrade that takes us to something new in you. And Lord, I do thank you for this place. And I thank you, your great desire for this fellowship is that your presence remains within it. I pray for each person now. Lord, wherever we are, let us now take that one step towards you. And Lord, deliver us from running after a bus that we are already on. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.